You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Right to left to restart the game. And this one carrying into the end zone about four yards deep. Here comes Dixon to the five. Left hash marks 10, 15. Hits a hole hard. He's to the 25 30. Breaks into the clear. Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races. It's Secretary of Belmont. Down the split end zone. No one will catch him. It's a touchdown. My goodness. Came into the game playing punch ball with a groin injury. Didn't practice all week. But he just took it right off the gut through the heart of the Minnesota Viking coverage unit. All right, guys, what's up? Uh, welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. If you'd like to text the show, you can send a text message to 865-658-5824. Again, that's 865-658-5824. Everyone on this stream looks a little hungover from the draft. I'm not going to lie, man. We're all kind of <laughs> trying to get caught up in sleep. <laughs> we are joined today by Pack Daddy and we, uh, Mr. Ryan Schlipp, and we've also got Jacob on the pod here. And really just to kind of get some initial um, – I say initial impressions, but really everybody had a little bit of time to sleep on it. I know uh, when I went to bed last night, I seen very few people that were upset with this draft. It seems like it's a, a pretty uh, – you know – Swayed pretty heavily into the uh, the positive column, in my opinion. I'm going to start with you, Ryan. Is that the vibe you get too, man? Do you feel like Packer fans are, are real happy with this draft, or did you? Uh, is there anything that stood out to you, um, just just in general, man? After you've slept on it, how do you feel about this draft, and what have you heard? Yeah, that, I think that was the biggest kind of surprise. Well, there are two big surprises, but it all stemmed from like we're all kind of in our own world doing our own stream. I don't know what's going out there in the universe. Like if everybody's screaming how horrible this is, or if everybody's excited, or what. <laughs> But all I know is I'm going through this draft. And it's like, man, none of the guys I like, like all the big names that I thought about, we weren't taken. But then you go over to Twitter and everybody's like, I love this guy. He's so good. Like, I'm excited about it. And so I'm like, all right, dude. And then, you know, again, you got Pro Football Network saying it was the best draft. I'm like, really? Like, what? all right, fair enough. So it sounds like it's a big party out there. Um, and like I said on the podcast, I'll try not to be the only party pooper. I don't have a problem with any of it. I just a little sad. Yes, you do. One of my guys <laughs> I'm a little bitter about it, but no, I mean, it, it's, I, I haven't really had the opportunity like I did with Lucas Van Ness to go back and look at the guys and really get a full understanding of what they're about. Um, so I'm, I'm just excited to do that. And again, on paper, I, I, I like the way we attack the draft. Um, and I'm definitely excited about the way everyone else is excited especially jake you know he puts a ton of work into these things and yeah these prospects and him doing backflip especially uh the tight ends um because yeah. those are two guys that i did know that i wasn't a huge fan of and there, there wasn't really a lot of tape on them but um i'm glad that he's really excited about those guys in particular because i was i was excited about the tight ends and those are two of the guys of all the tight ends that i was kind of like i'm not so sure about but um again on paper when you look at musgrave um, for example, you know, he, his whole thing is that he's athletic and I'm like, yeah, he doesn't seem that athletic. And then you look at it and run 20 miles an hour. Yeah. And I went back through the entire season last year and didn't find one tight end at any point that ran 20 miles an hour. 19 was the fastest. So it's like, 
not only is he kind of fast for a tight end, he might be the fastest in the NFL. Not that speed is everything, but it's just little stuff like that that I'm starting to come around to that I'm getting excited about for sure. Yeah, and I imagine the 20-mile-an-air that was clocked that was on the field. Is that right, Ryan? Yeah, I think that was the Senior Bowl when they were playing. So that's that's football time. Like, that's not – in your underwear time, right? right? Like going to the fridge as quick as you can, that type of thing. Like this <laughs> guys with pads on and that's what really matters. That's what stood out to me about, you know, watching a little bit of Jaden Reed when he popped up, but I'll, yeah. I want to get Jacob's takes here. And uh, Jacob, what do you think, man? Same question. Are you hearing more positive than negative and how do you feel about everything? Yeah. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I think that I got to thank Tucker Kraft for just letting us be a part of his draft. Um, <laughs> You know, it was great to just uh, take a peek inside of uh, his world, but whatever. Um, I, I honestly loved it, and I'm one of those one of those fans that's going to love it no matter what. And I'm, if you watch me, my reactions in the draft, I'll be I'll completely be honest. I scratch my head on a few of the picks, and then I'm easily swayed. Like two minutes later, to be like, yeah, I love the pick. It's my favorite pick ever. Um, I'm kind of like Donald J. It's the best pick of by far. You know, like it's I start just completely buying into it. But I really did. I said on your podcast, Clayton, that I wanted to go two tight ends. Um, I wanted to have a more of a, a Mercedes Lewis type replacement and a, and a Tanya replacement. And I think that we've got the two most well-suited, diverse, you know, they can do a lot of different things. And that, that whole thing about Musgrave being a, just a beast off the line is really incredible uh, to see Van Ness's power off the line is incredible to see Jaden Reed's get off off the line. Like that's one where I definitely scratched my head. But when I looked at his highlight reel, like, cause it, like uh, Ryan said, you know, you don't really have much time to do anything other than to pull him up, see where he is on your list and then watch his highlights. And I was just like, Oh wow. Okay, cool. That uh, definitely not the type of prototypical receiver that the Packers t- tend to draft. You know, I'm, I'm still surprised. Did Bryce Ford Wheaton get drafted or did he go undrafted? Hmm. I don't know Charles in his name. I don't either. That's crazy to me. But anyways, and then I really loved um I had to run if you guys are watching the um the live stream I had to run into work for a few hours so I and I couldn't look at my phone. We were absolutely slammed. So I missed the Clifford pick, the Kobe Wooden pick, the Carl's Brooks pick, uh the Dontavian Wicks pick and when I came back around and found that I I absolutely loved it. I I watched Sean Clifford highlights this morning and I mean I like him. He's nothing special, but he, he seems like he's got some um, some ability to run if he has to. He seems like he's got a good good ball. And Carl Brooks, that might be my favorite pick of the whole. Bro, I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah. The, the more I dig into that pick, yeah. He's just a beast, man. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Well, let's do this. Uh, you know, Jaden Reed, that's one of the names that keeps popping up to me that's like, how did I miss this? You know, and, right. and understand that my board isn't created like, okay, I watched the tape and here's what I think – a player's value is mine is compiling a ton of information for people I trust to put the board together. I had him worthy of the 117th pick. And obviously if I remember correctly, they took him at 50 and I believe that was the moment that we seen them trade. Did they trade down twice? Am I thinking right? Do I remember? Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah. And so they traded so. down twice to get Jaden Reed. And when they finally picked and they took him off the board and I seen Jayla Hyatt still on the board, I'm going, God, why, what do they see in Reed that they don't see in Hyatt? And obviously there's something there, but the fact that they knew they knew no one else was on Jaden Reed that early, but they that's the grade they had on him. I mean, that's if there's anything we learned, it's that the Packers had an extremely high grade on Jaden Reed and a lot of other teams did, which is really, really cool to me because when you dig in, when you dug into his PFF grade, 
in 2021 at 82.2. Now in 2022, he took uh, a slight step back at 70.4. But, you know, like we talked about on the live stream, when you hit an 82.2, that's kind of like, okay, we know what he's capable of. And, and I'm not suggesting he's going to come into the league and have these kind of inflated PFF grades, but you've just got to compare apples to apples. And when you do that across the entire NCAA, you see, man, this guy's got some, he's got some ceiling to him. And it's exactly what you were talking about, Ryan, with the 20 mile an hour there with, uh, with Luke Musgrave. When you see Jaden Reed on the field in pads, he is fast. He is like really fast, really quick twitch, but let's just start from the top, man. Lucas Van Ness, 2021, his PFF grade was a 70.1. 2022, he went to an 80.2. Ryan, you did a great job on your pod highlighting the fact that a lot of people are saying, quote, he's not a starter. It's the it's the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, just a minute amount of digging will tell you that it's tradition at Iowa that the seniors start. Seniority, they they really put take a lot of pride in seniority. If you look at the snap count, count you see that yeah. Lucas Van Ness had a ton of snaps. Yeah. Um, but just your initial thought on Lucas Van Ness, how he fits in, because you guys have heard me mention, I think he best fits in in that three technique in the nickel pass rush. But at the same time, when you heard Goody talk, seems like Goody's thinking a little bit more. You agree with that, Ryan? Like this guy might get thrust right into that opposite edge of Preston Smith if Gary isn't ready uh, week one. I think so. I think that was the impression I got from him. Um, you know, again, you, you got to kind of pick that one spot that you want to hammer the most. But again, the cool thing about him is I, I think – He's a guy that you can put anywhere. You can put him inside. You can put him outside. You can stand him up, put him down. Unlike Rashawn, where it's like, this is the one thing you're going to do, and then we're going to try to teach you to do other things. I feel like he is, we can put you anywhere and you can dominate. It's just a matter of, we got to raise the level, right? So he's going to come in. He can play three technique and be good. We want him to be great. He can play outside and be good. We got to make him great. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not even too worried about where he starts. It's just a matter of how quickly can he elevate from being a really good player to being a really great player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's do this too, Jacob. Let's talk about tight end because when I went through and broke down the roster a couple weeks ago, I went through and got everybody's PFF grade and their ranking and kind of came up with an, an average offensive ranking, average defensive ranking. And what I've done now is taken the rookies and rebuilt the roster. And in most cases, we know rookies aren't just going to come in and start, right? I think we would all agree with that. But if you were to just go strictly from a PFF standpoint and kind of look at, okay, who has the best opportunity to see significant playing time, when it comes to the tight ends, I was totally expecting plug plug Luke Musgrave in there because he's a high pick, you know, 42nd pick overall. That's going to be your starting tight end. And we know they're going to do two separate things. But when you compare the two, Tucker Craft, when you hear Tucker Craft, it's he's a freak, Right. And not many people mention what he's done on the field. His PFF grade for 2021 was an 85.0, and in 2022 it was a 79.0. Now, whether you agree with PFF or not makes no difference to me. I think we would all agree that you can compare these scores across the board, and then you 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 know get your own opinion of how much value you put in the PFF grading system. But what's crazy is with Luke Musgrave, a 60.1 in 2021 and a 72.5 in 2022. I mean, I think it's safe to say Tucker Kraft is going to be competing for that number one tight end spot. And the one thing that you've done is you've taken a negative on the roster and turned it into a positive. So um, tight end looks like it could be deep for the foreseeable future um, if these if these tight end prospects pan out. But how do you feel about the tight end position, Luke Musgrave and Tucker Kraft, man? And I know we had a lot of jo- jokes about Tucker Kraft, but um, I'm really I'm really jacked about him. What do you think about Jacob? <laughs> 
Yeah, if you guys haven't watched Tucker Craft's uh, one of his first interviews he does, I mean, it's <laughs> he's definitely got the uh, we talked about it on the stream. He's got that Gronk, Kelsey, Kittle mentality. There's just something about him. He thinks he knows he's the best. He doesn't think he knows. And uh, yeah, I, I personally love having that kind of personality on the team. Um, I love the fact that now we have three. I mean, people are kind of sleeping on Deguara, I think, because he's still. I think he's a very capable back and or uh, tight end, and they use him, you know, in that H back kind of role. So it's fun to see where we're going to plug and play these guys. I mean, I could see a world where they equally get a decent amount of snaps depending on the packages, you know, the twenty one or twelve personnel. I don't, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm excited. It's nice to see that they're big, giant dudes that can have um, a really big impact, and not just the passing game, but in the blocking game as well. I think I remember reading. I thought one of the two had massive hands and just really willing to block. So I'm, I'm over the moon about it and plus the fact that jordan love coming into the league it's really really cool to see this very young what was the stat his surrounding the, the skill positions they're like 23 you know 24 yeah. everybody's just so young and to think that we've got these guys under contract with me for two or three years where they're barely hitting the books is really really exciting you know yeah. and the fact that we took we took three wide receivers again we kind of sneakily did it nobody's really yeah. talking about that but it's great it's awesome and, and i mean let's be honest they're every one of these draft picks will probably make the roster. When you're playing the cash over cap game, like the, the Packers are starting to dip their toe into, yeah. you've got to hit on those late round picks. Cause you've got these guys on four year contracts that are basically minimal contracts. When you talk about Grant DuBose and, uh, and even um, uh, Devante, or I'm sorry, uh, Dontavian Wicks um, and even Jaden Reed, you know, at the number 50 spot, I mean, it, granted it's a little, a little bit more money, but for the most part, you're talking about that borderline minimum contract, which is exciting. Let's, let's talk about that real quick, Ron, with the receivers, because when I broke down the roster a couple weeks ago, you know, um, well, first of all, back to tight end, I do want to mention this, the, according to PFF, the best tight end on our roster was going to be Josiah Aguara, right? A 57.2. That means he ranked 52nd in the entire NFL. Well, yes. You talk about these two tight ends coming in with Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave. Again, 2022 for Luke Musgrave, 72.5. Tucker Craft, 79.0 with an 85 on the other side. So, they're, I mean, they're going to plug and play. One of these two guys is going to plug and play in that 11 personnel, and you're probably going to primarily put DeGuara in as your H-back. But with receiver, the same thing kind of applies. When we looked at receiver, you had Christian Watson, 77.1. He ranked 24th. Romeo Dobbs was a 62.6. He ranked 85th. And then Samori Torre had minimal snaps, although it was a 49.3. So when you look at it from that perspective and look at Jaden Reed coming in with an average of 77 or a 76.6 in the last two years, he immediately propels to that number two receiver. If you were to not put any kind of modifiers in, taking into consideration that, you know, they're going to fade back as rookies. We're not expecting them to perform at that level, although we would welcome it with open arms. But where do you think Jaden Reed could fit in, Ryan? Do you think he immediately steps into a number two spot or, or a slot receiver? What do you what do you think there? And this is all based off of us running primarily 11 personnel. Yeah, and I, I think um, I, I, it's similar to Lucas Van Ness where it's, you know, you know he can do a lot of different stuff and you know there's going to be a lot of different personnels and all these different things. Um, I, I, I think the initial plan, if I had to guess, would be you, you focus on him being a slot guy. You know, we, we've got Dobbs and, uh, Dobbs and Watson, I think, are going to be the core guys. And we know the Packers like guys that know what they're doing, right? They, they know the playbook. We trust them more. We'd rather them be out there more. But if you want to put a rotational player out there, you don't have a whole lot of other options. You know what I mean? If you're going to give Dobbs a rest... <laughs> You're going to have to put one of the rookie, rookies out there. Plus, if you want to go any outside of 11, 
you know, and, and put somebody else, or if you want to uh, put three guys on the field, I guess is what I'm saying, then you're going to also have to put, aside from Samori Ture, either Jaden Reed or Dontavion Wicks out there. So um, they're going to have to have a lot of playing time, I guess is the point that I'm trying to make. So, yeah, I, th- I think you focus on the slot, but that's part of the reason why I think they even mentioned they like that Jaden Reed can do a lot of different stuff. He's not purely a slot guy, even though that may be his primary role. They're not afraid of putting him out wide and letting him streak down the field. In fact, I really feel like he is what we all wanted Hyatt to be. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, we, we, I, I remember I used to talk about Hyatt all the time because people bring it up, and it's like it feels weird because we already have a speed guy, but I don't think there's any problem with having two speed guys on the field. So I don't think the, the Packers are either. I don't think they have any issue whatsoever putting Christian Watson on one side and Reed on the other side and Musgrave in, in, in at tight end and just saying, best of luck, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and just letting them fly down the field because that is, you know, what, what that I, I mentioned it the other day, but the Packers are simultaneously building a massive roster in terms of huge human beings and also building one of the faster rosters. And that's an impressive thing. As, as much as you can say, let's find football players over just RAS, when you do that, I mean, you're, you're building both at the same time. And it's, it's going to be a heck of a thing to watch, even if they're not the greatest players. I, I don't know as a defense what you even do about that. When, when we are the biggest and the fastest on the field. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And when it comes to uh, Dontavian Wicks, I mean, we, we took him at 159. I had him worthy of the 137th pick, and I'm going to talk about those grades. I, I'd rather fill time with that when you guys aren't on the pod, but we'll kind of talk about where they fell on my board. Um, but the big darling of the draft, I believe, is, is probably Carl Brooks, right? I mean, that's the guy that everyone yeah. is really, really excited about, and it's hilarious because we talk about RAS all year long. We talk about how the Packers love love that athletic profile. Carl Brooks's RAS was a 5.87, <laughs> but – but in 2021, 81.1 PFF grade. And you're thinking, man, that's – yeah, it's at the college level. I get it. 2022, 93.0. Like, Jeez. this guy played, according to PFF, take it with a grain of salt, he played as as good as you can play according to their grading system and did it with a 5.87. What does that say about the guy? It probably says he's got an extremely high motor. It probably says that he's a smart player. It probably says that – He's uh he's going to be schematically sound and not try to play hero ball. It's really exciting. I had him worthy of the 74th pick, and they took him at 179. So when you talk about that on the defensive side of the ball, and you guys know I, I'm going to end up turning into the bad guy. It's going to happen, but I, I feel like I've got to get the message across. Kenny Clark has underperformed, and people don't want to acknowledge it. They don't want to admit it. Um I mean, let's just take PFF into consideration here. 66.4. He was the 45th ranked defensive lineman, according to PFF, right? Devontae Wyatt, a 69.9. I know Ryan's talked about it. I know Jacob's talked about it. For Cannot figure out for the life of me why he didn't get more snaps, although he did get over 200 snaps. But still, it's like, man, first-round pick. The dude showed flashes. He showed that he can compete, put his butt out there. But you got a Carl Brooks that had a 93.0. That dude, I think, is going to fly up the depth chart. And I, I think, if I remember correctly, I kind of asked Jake, hey, where do you think he fits in here? And he ne- he did not see him as a nose, did he, at all? It's it's more of a, a three-tech, right? So um, what do you think, Jacob? How do you think that Carl Brooks will see an opportunity to uh, to fit into that lineup as far as, uh, you know, in, in the nickel defense, it's going to be hard to surpass Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt, but I'm excited about hearing the camp notes. What do you think about Brooks, man? Yeah, I mean, honestly, again, similar to 
other positions that we did. It seems like the D linemen that we drafted between Brooks, Wooden, and obviously with Van S, that these guys possibly can play up and down the line. Maybe not so much Van S, but definitely Wooden um, and Carl Brooks. And I think Jake talked about his snap alignment. He played quite a, you know, multiple different positions and different techs. So I'm, um, I'm just pumped, man. I, I really like that. And before I get out of here, guys, I cannot not mention Lou Nichols, who I think maybe <laughs> just, I, I, you watch that dude play him granted, what is it? Central Michigan or whatever. So, but he is a boy among men or a man among boys. And he's just, he's thumping them. I get like Marshawn Lynch vibes when I watch him run sometimes. He's just, just looks mean. And I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, and we'll, we will just go ahead and log off whenever you need to, Jacob. But, yeah, in 2021, 84.8 PFF grade. Uh, you know, obviously didn't have a complete RAS score. I had him at 290, the 290 spot, and they took him at uh, 235, right? So, obviously, I didn't see it. But when I went back and looked at the PFF grade, now, granted, last year he took a step back at a 62.5, but you know what it screams to me? I think I think there's a great chance that all these players make the roster, right? But if there's anyone in on the roster now, or you know, obviously the only halfback taken in this draft, that they're going okay. If AJ Dillon walks in free agency next year, this guy can fill that role. That kind of feels like that bowling ball, right? I mean, it, it really, really does. So I'm excited to see what he does, man. I I imagine we're going to be hearing a lot about him um, in camp. Now, when you talk about Van Ness, has it, Ryan, I'm going to ask you this. I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Have you heard anything about Rashawn Gary? Because I thought I heard rumors that they're, they were thinking he was going to be ready for week one. That sounds crazy to me, especially with our recent, you know, uh, spat with uh, with ACLs. Yeah, I mean, that that was um, – I, I thought it came from the Packers in terms of he's – he and Stokes are way ahead of schedule. Um, and that Rashawn they were talking about potentially being ready week one. And then even since then, it, it feels like that's – not the case. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's, they're talking about Rashawn almost sounding like it's going to be mid season and Stokes. I mean, it's, it's almost like he's not even on the team anymore. I don't, when, right, when, yeah. It's it's such a weird thing. So um, I, I, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd have to go back and figure out where that came from. Cause maybe it was just some nonsense rumor that I had heard or something. And, and my mind is just building it up to be something bigger than it was. But um, I'd like one of the guys to just kind of ask about Rashawn so we can get a definitive answer from the coach or from the GM or something. Yeah. But um yeah, that, that was my understanding is, hey, they're ahead of schedule. We're going to see them pretty early, and now it just feels like, I don't know, it's, it's probably going to be midseason or worse before we see them. So we'll see. But either way, you know, long term, when you look at this crew, including Rashawn Gary, it's I'm, I'm super excited about this group. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when I broke down the roster, obviously Rashawn Gary's a stud, um, 82.9 PFF. He's 15th, uh, and that was, like I said, kind of a, a down year. And then obviously stepping into the injury, Preston Smith had a a, a real bad year, uh, 66.4. He graded out as the 53rd best edge defender in the entire league. And uh, that's something that you've highlighted in the past. It seems like he is very up, down, up, down, up, down. Yeah. One, one year he'll play really, really good. The next year he'll be kind of down. One thing about it is if Gary isn't uh, ready, and I think that – I think we – I'm leaning towards – I'm not expecting him to be ready for week one. I'm thinking more, you know, along the, the lines of week six or week eight. But if that's the case, man, put the rookie in. Put Van Ness in over there and just let him eat. Let him, let him cut his teeth. Let him get yeah. everything he needs as far as getting his butt kicked. To, to understand what the NFL represents. And um, obviously you've got uh, J.J. and Igbare there sitting in the background that could uh, that I thought played pretty good last year. Mm -hmm. um, so that's going to be real exciting. Now, the other thing 
to take into consideration that I was looking at is Anthony Johnson Jr., the safety we took. Um, Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. You know, he graded out on PFF as a, uh, a 73.2 last year, the year before a 71.6. So he's been very consistent in that regard. Another guy with a very low RAS score um, of 5.11. We all know I've beat it to death on here, and I, I try not to be overly negative. But uh, Darnell Savage, a 47.5. There was only one safety that played worse than him last year, although we know he played in the slot um, uh, quite a bit of time there uh, once uh, once Eric Stokes went down. But what do you think about Anthony Johnson? And when you look at the safety position as a whole, man, how do you think this is going to kind of come into play? Do you think Anthony Johnson competes for that, that safety spot opposite Rudy Ford? And if that's the case, does that mean if Stokes isn't healthy, I think we would all agree Savage would play the slot. Um, although Coach LaFleur mentioned Keyshawn Nixon could play the slot. Just from a cornerback standpoint and a combination safety, how do you see that playing out? And I know it's early, but maybe what do you want to see happen or what do you uh, anticipate happening? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all part of the, the the processing part of the process in terms of trying to get my understanding of what my thoughts are. You know, the fact that we drafted a safety is like, all right, we got one. And because we have a low opinion of the safety group, it's like, all right, so that he'll be our safety. And then you take a step back and realize he's a seventh round pick. And the odds that a seventh round pick is going to step in and regardless of what we think of Savage or anybody else, I mean, Savage, he's not going to take Savage's job. I don't think, I don't think he's going to take Rudy Ford's job. He's probably not going to take Tavarius Moore's job or Tariq Carpenter's job. Or, I mean, you got to, these are all seventh round to undrafted free agent guys anyways. So, Yep. Him coming in and taking those jobs to me seems relatively unlikely. Although, of course, I would love it. Um, just from the stand, not I don't mean to say because they're bad or anything necessarily. Just from the standpoint of if a rookie comes in and does that, it's because he's doing something special. But yep. then the other thing to to keep in mind is he did very little, like deep safety work in college. He was primarily a slot guy and a box guy, so he was kind of a strong safety slot type of of a safety. So, you know, if you're still looking for that deep middle of the field guy, I just I don't exactly know who that's going to be. Um, and 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 yeah, I mean, it's probably I, I'm just curious to see what the Packers are thinking. I, again, our lads is not the ultimate authority. But when I look at it, they have Darnell Savage and Tervarius Moore as our two safeties. And it's like, I don't know why Tervarius Moore is up where he is. Obviously, Rudy Ford is going to have a. Uh, a role in this. I really appreciated the the work that he did for us, especially yeah. considering again, very late round guy had no expectations for him for him to come in and do what he did. But um I mean it's just a tough spot, man. I feel like safety was one of those positions where if you can get one of the early guys to be a starter, that's awesome. Late round, we're just getting more depth and I I kind of feel that's where we're at with Anthony Johnson and even if he becomes a good player, it's probably going to take some time to develop him into that. So I think we're we're back to square one. It, it's a matter of who are the starting safeties and, and what are their roles. Is Savage a slot guy? Is it Ford and Tervarius Moore? Is you know I, I I don't know what it is, but I I just can't imagine Anthony Johnson factors into a starting role for the Packers in twenty twenty three. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing we've talked about in the past. First round picks have a hard time getting on the field. Right. Right. Exactly. Devontae Wyatt couldn't even play. I don't think Anthony Johnson's going to (laughs) start. Right. Right. And and again, this whole exercise for all you listening, we appreciate you hanging out with us um, was simply to, uh, to kind of look at it from PFF standpoint. If you were to pretend that PFF was the ultimate authority, you know, this is how it would kind of lay out. Now we had a text come in from a, uh, from a listener. I'm going to read it here. Um, says, he never told me his name, which is hilarious. So whoever you are, thank you for the text. <laughs> oh, no, he did. There he is. Okay, at the end. All right, cool. He said, hello, Clayton. First of all, uh, each of you were so entertaining throughout the entirety of the draft. I only missed about an hour of the coverage total, although the Twitter stream would crash on me occasionally, probably on my end. I'm not certain if you even – well, let me let me pause here. For those of you listening, anytime we go live on Twitter and you see it pop up, it's also going live on YouTube. So what I would suggest is if you see us go live on Twitter, either in, if if Ryan's live, go to his YouTube page. If I'm live, go to my YouTube page. You're going to get uh, a, a much more uh, smooth experience, and you can also comment there, and we can see the comments. So just keep that in mind. Um, he said, I'm not certain if you even realized, but you predicted the first two picks uh, with your analysis of the draft process. Van Ness, you mentioned some time ago, and Musgrave, he put, I never seen it coming and slightly disagree with the pick. You said was the most likely scenario at 45. Keep in touch. Dave from the Heartland, wherever the Heartland is, you guys use your imagination there. All right. And it's that's the Heartland. So um, so let's talk about that, Ryan. Like when it comes to the Van Ness pick, none of us were like fist pumping. But I think the large majority of us on the stream were just kind of nodding like, yep, that makes sense. It's a premier position, right? One that I refer to as a, a top tier of importance at the edge edge position. What he's referring to is early on, it was like it might have even been a month ago, maybe a little bit more. I went through and started looking at the early draft process, and the name that kept popping up to me was Lucas Van Ness, Lucas Van Ness. When I would do a mock draft, it was always Lucas Van Ness makes the most sense. Now, the problem I ran into when it came mock draft time was I only had the 15th pick, and Van Ness was always gone. But then, obviously, we get the number 13 pick, and it's just amazing how things slightly change because I believe they had him mocked to the Jets at 15. Some people did. Um, But when it comes to the draft as a whole and you look at it, the big hits that I have, I think Lucas Van Ness was a solid pick. I had him worthy of the 13th pick. Luke Musgrave at number 42, I had him worthy of the 28th pick. So that gets a double check mark from me. Jaden Reed looked like a a reach to me, although um, a lot of people would disagree. I believe uh, even the 33rd team said on their website they would disagree with that. Tucker Craft was a hit worthy of the 69th pick, got him at 78. Kobe Wooden, Wooden uh, 116 was where he was taken. I had him worthy of the 93rd pick. And then, of course, uh, Dontavian Wicks, worthy of the 137th pick. We got him at 159 on and on. But, again, like that big darling Carl Brooks at 179, man, uh, worthy of the 74th pick is really exciting. Even Grant DuBose, you know, had him worthy of the 192nd pick, and they took him at 256. As a whole, man, the draft is we kind of – button everything up from the draft standpoint and what he said talking about how things laid out you know in order again on my list of potential offensive linemen we would take Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones uh none of those were available to the best of my knowledge if I remember correctly maybe was any of those available do you remember I think Broderick went shortly after 
Did he? Okay. And then you had defensive lineman Jalen Carter fell at one point, so I had him listed. Brian Bree, Brian Brissy, uh, Kalaji Kansi, I think we would all agree those two would be misses. Edge defender uh, Tyree Wilson, Miles Murphy, and Lucas Van Ness, with Miles Murphy and Lucas Van Ness both circled because it was a, a reach for Tyree Wilson to fall that far. As a whole, man, do you feel like it kind of unfolded the way you expected it, man? Um. I, I suppose it did. I, I, I had said that we're going to take an edge rusher in the first round. I fully expected in the second round to get a tight end. Um, we knew they had to add wide receivers. Um, I, I think I'm uh, maybe a little surprised at the lack of safety, but again, it, it probably just has to do with the fact that they just didn't like the safety group very much this year. And um, although I'm sure there were a couple guys on their list, it just didn't fall to them. So they didn't end up going that direction. But, you know, again, it's it's the Packers took the talent where they found it. They uh, certainly loaded up on on pass catchers and pass rushers, and um, I don't think you could be too upset with that formula. Yeah, definitely. Now, as far as still weaknesses, when you look at the roster after the draft, and, and again, it's so silly to to put so much <laughs> so much value yeah. in the draft to pretend like okay, this is where you're gonna you're gonna make your hay in the 2023 season. But I'm still seeing the right side of the offensive line is like a big question mark for me, starting at center, really. You know, Josh Myers, I feel like he's underperformed. Uh, obviously, PFF grade 62.4. He was the 26th best center. Um, John Runyon, 62.6. He was the 37th. I think I'm lower on John Runyon than most people are, to be honest with you. Um, and then Zach Tom graded out better than Yash did. Uh, Zach Tom having a 68.3, if I remember correctly. I think Yash was in the 64 range. Are you concerned about the right side of the offensive line, or do you feel like – here's the other thing we've got to take into consideration – Aaron Rodgers is no longer the quarterback. So they are going to really, really try to utilize the quick passing game. Right. And I'm not talking right. about RPO. I'm talking about, you know, play action, three-step drop, hammer it across the middle and yep. get those uh, high completion percentage, easy throws for Jordan. Um, I think that can really, really change the offensive line. Do you agree with that? Like, how do you see the right side of the offensive line? Are you concerned about it? And how do you think the offense might, might kind of change with Jordan now? Yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those things where unless you get a stud early, I, I don't know that it makes a huge impact. Um, not a huge Josh Myers fan, but I think the Packers like him. I think he's a steady guy, um, and it's it's so, certainly upgradable, but there aren't a lot of guys, I think, in this draft that are going to do that job. John Runyon, I certainly have my complaints, but the problem with that is he's one of the better pass-blocking guards. And so, you know, as much as he may struggle against the run, it's going to be hard for the team to say, now we're going to replace you if if you're not protecting the quarterback as well as John Runyon does. Um, and similarly on the right side, I, I don't know, but we have Zach Tom, we have Yash Nyman, um, especially for a rookie to come in and replace him. I don't think it's going to happen. And then long-term down the line, you know, first-round pick, you would expect to be able to win that job eventually. Beyond that, it's just a big question mark. And and we we already have depth. I mean, Royce, they, they like to some degree. Jake Hansen, who we may not like. We had him come in and do some work. Sean Ryan's going into his second year. We'll see. Then, of course, there's Rasheed Walker and Caleb Jones, who could certainly take some steps. And who knows, maybe one of those guys can become um, a quality tackle for us. So we we have a ton of depth. It's just a matter of, like, where's the top-end talent aside from Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari? Um, and I, I don't know that we have anything else than that. We'll see if anybody can develop. But um, similar to safety, if you're not going to get an elite prospect, I don't see any point in adding depth to it. So we didn't we didn't take early swings at that point. Just kind of shrug your shoulders and go, yeah, I guess we missed it this year. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And it, if there's one side of the offensive line you want to be strong, obviously it's the back side. And I think we've got that buttoned up pretty well. Yeah. So uh, if you're going to be weak, be weak on the side that Jordan can see that that train uh, train crash coming towards him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited about the upcoming season. Uh, we're, we're now going to kind of step into that that aspect of the offseason. I guess we'll get the schedule release next. I think I'd mentioned that the OTAs are around – I think May 20th. It's definitely in May. So we're going to have some OTAs coming up. You guys seen the tweet go out from Jordan Love. Um, they're working. He said they're in there working right now. And, and that's really exciting. It's real refreshing. Um, and, and for me, anybody who's listening to this pod knows I never put a lot of stock into that. Like Aaron needs to be at all the voluntary stuff. But the fact that Jordan is there, no one can complain. And that's what I need in my life, Ron. I need less people freaking complaining <laughs> about stuff, especially that I don't see as a huge deal. But uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome, man. It's gonna be really really cool. I know this. They're picking us to finish dead last in the North, right? Yeah. And I am so freaking excited about it, man. Because there's I don't I can't think of another season. Now you're gonna have some people that they're going to the second that Jordan struggles, they're gonna bash the dude, and they're right. gonna try to paint this big picture that. Aaron Rodgers not being here is the reason that every every little thing goes wrong. Just like on the flip side, anything that went wrong last year, there were some that was just like, it's all Aaron Rodgers' fault. It's always um, but I think that if we're smart about this, the, the the bar is set at a level where we can only overachieve, which is really exciting. Yeah, right. It really is. And, and who knows, man? Let's come out and, and shock the freaking world. Like, you know, people forget this roster for the most part is intact. I yeah. mean, the, the things that you lose, yeah, you lose the the veteran Lazard, you lose the veteran in Cobb, you lose the veteran in, in Mercedes Lewis, but let's not sit here and pretend like those guys were just game breakers, right? Um, so you might take a slight step back, but you never know, man. Jaden Reed may step right in and play like a young Randall Cobb. And I, I, I'm still blown away at number 50 because I never look at the board, Ryan, and go, oh, they missed that pick. I always look at it and go, okay, they obviously know way more than I do. What did they see in him at number 50? I mean, I think right. you're probably going to get – if there's one thing we've learned from last year, they're going to put those young players in and lean on them at the wide receiver position. That's one position that they'll they'll do that with. So, um, overall, man, when you come out of this draft, what do you – first of all, I'm just going to put you on the spot and ask you because I, I want your opinion on it. Do you, do you see them as the worst team in the NFC North? I'm trying no. not to laugh as I say it because I know I think I know what the answer is. No, I, I look. I I know where it comes from. Rogers left. He was our whole team, and now you guys suck. I mean, we've been hearing Rogers is that whole team, and you have a terrible roster aside from Rogers since forever. I mean that that's always been the narrative. So obviously, when he leaves, everybody assumes the whole roster is garbage. I don't know where that comes from, but I was just real quick poking over at the Chicago Bears who obviously do not have a very good team, and I just wanted to see where the rookies slot in. And PFF has only their first round pick right as the only player that they upgraded. In other words, they're the exact same team, but they have a different right tackle now by the name of Wright. So, I mean, yeah, the, the team that had the number one overall pick had one guy maybe who's going to upgrade your team, but you don't know if he's actually going to do that. Congratulations. <laughs> um, we're still the team that beats on you constantly, even when Rodgers had a down year, mind yeah. you. So, um yeah, I mean, like you said, if everybody wants to have unbelievably low expectations, that's completely fine. Um, you know, I, I think we have a better offensive line. I think we potentially have better receivers. I still think we have a better quarterback. We have better running backs. We have a better 
pass rushers, defensive line, corners, linebackers, and they have us at safety. So if safeties are the key to success, then yes, the Bears are significantly better than the Packers. Otherwise, I think that we're better than at least they are. Yeah. No, I would agree with that, man. Um, I, I love being that snake line in the weeds. I'm not going to lie. Dude. It's just, I feel like that's been my whole life. And I love watching people. I would love watching people act surprised. Um, it's just, yeah. it's, I don't know. It, it does something for me. So um, with that being said, trying to think if there's anything else we need to cover here, man. It's very rare I have you, uh, you have the time to come on the podcast. So I want to make sure we utilize it as much as possible. Um, is there anything else you want to cover? as we get ready to kind of kind of step into that next season. I, I don't think they're done in free agency. I think we may go out and get yeah. one or two guys for dirt cheap. And uh, the name that keeps getting thrown around is Adrian Amos, right? Yeah. Um, now, I don't know what Baltimore offered him. To me, it felt like that had a lot of steam. But at the same time, it's like, man, why didn't they go ahead and close the deal on that? And I know we got some undrafted free agents as well. Anything you want to talk about as we get ready to, to wrap up? I think I've got – uh, the you, yeah, the no, that's 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 not the list. I didn't write the list down. Did anybody pop to you on the undrafted free agents? Because I had my top ten un, undrafted free agents, so we didn't land any of them. But again, right. I'm a I'm a moron, so it doesn't really <laughs> matter. Um, I did see that my my edge defender there, Carter from Army, went to the Vikings. Unfortunately, man, I was oh, so there afraid. you go. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course he did. Right now, we can root for him to be a bust officially. So right. Yeah. Anything you want to want to add in here as we get ready to wrap up? No, I think that's a that's a good final note for me is is um, I think that is kind of the point that we need to remember is you 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 take the best player available, you take what the draft gives you, and then you reassess your roster, you find out where you're weak, and then you can kind of go from there. And I think Adrian Amos may be a part of that. I think they knew that there's a a, a distinct possibility with the weakness of the safety class that they weren't going to come away with anybody and may want him back but didn't want to just close a deal, especially if Amos is asking for a little more money than they were willing to put down. But now, especially it was funny too, because that was, that was one of my first thoughts. And you listen to Brian Gutekunst talk about Adrian Amos and it's like, Oh no, we definitely never closed the door on him. Like we love that guy. Like, yeah, you're, you're going to go work the phones and try to gas this guy up a little bit. Aren't you? All of a sudden he's your best friend in the world. Um, I, I just, I definitely got those vibes that they're working the phones real hard, especially at positions like safety and, probably really trying to get Amos back. And a lot of those guys, their phones are blowing up right now because teams thought they were going to come away with something in the draft, didn't, and now they come crawling back to these players. So um, I don't think we have a ton to work with, so it may just be like if it's Amos, that may be the only thing we do. Um, But I I, I think the Packers are going to reassess their roster, find out where their needs are, find if if they can find some value with a couple players to patch up a couple holes, and then it's off to the races and guys get to work and see what we can put together as a football team. Absolutely. And when it comes to the special teams, and we'll wrap up with this, um, I, I don't want to I don't want anyone to overlook special teams ever again. I feel like last year we took a step yeah. forward and I'd never want to go back. Right. Right. 100 percent. Right, <laughs> Tariq Carpenter, I think I'd seen something online that he confirmed that that he is a linebacker. So they are playing him primarily as a linebacker. Mm-hmm. But we know he's a special teams player for the right. majority of the time, which is a, a good thing. Um, so. Going into the draft, I was kind of thinking we might take a linebacker. And, and it, there were several times that the best player available there, I think, in the third round was the top linebacker on my board. 
But them not going there, I think it really, really says a lot about Tariq Carpenter being that fourth linebacker and also contributing, like I said, uh, on special teams. Another note, Jaden Reed, the uh, rookie wide receiver, number 50 pick there, uh, there was a lot of chatter that he can be a punt and kick return, I believe. So that's someone who can fill in for a little bit of depth behind Keyshawn Nixon, which is exciting. We've seen Keyshawn get hurt last year. Um, the thought of us going back to the Amari Rogers return days, as soon as Keyshawn, you know, misses time is really scary. So I would look to see Jaden Reed probably uh, trying to win that backup return spot. And then, of course, we didn't talk about Anders Carlson, the new kicker. I think it's official. I mean, you spend a uh, – I mean, it, I feel like they reached a little bit, which is okay because that was their guy at 207. They went and got a kicker. Some people believe he would probably be available as an undrafted free agent, although that turns into kind of a bidding war, if you will. Um, Anders Carlson, man – First of all, thank you, Mason Crosby. Man, what an yeah. awesome run. That dude was everything. Uh, he represented everything it, it, it is to be a Green Bay Packer. I got to meet him a couple times. Super nice guy. Dude made some clutch kicks. Uh, he was a great, um, you know, bad weather kicker, in my opinion. That's why they took him uh, coming out of, what was it, Colorado? Am I thinking right? I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Probably wasn't even watching the draft back when he got drafted. <laughs> yeah, he came. I remember when they took him, they said he's a bad weather kicker, which is, you know, what you need at Lambeau. But um, Anders Carlson, man, what is he, 6'5"? Yeah. Is that what we said? Dude, yeah. that's that's a big old kicker. I would like to right. know, if the, is he the is he the tallest kicker in the league now? That's a That's got to be, it's, right? I'm not sure, but I was going to say, he's almost the tallest player we drafted. Luke Musgrave is the only one taller at 6'6". <laughs> <laughs> Got to see that rookie class picture. That's hilarious. Yeah. Who's that big guy in the middle? That's our kicker. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So Why, special teams. That, go ahead. I was going to say, who's that big accountant standing in the middle? There? <laughs> oh, he's a kicker. Okay. Exactly. I, <laughs> I immediately seen the shot of him uh, when he was drafted. I'm like, that's sunshine from remember the top yeah. out there, man. I can't make that pitch, Petey. We don't need you to. Just kick that ball 70 <laughs> yards, bro. Um, yeah, so – Got a new kicker. I'm really excited that we got O'Donnell coming back as the holder. That really seemed to fix the holding issues. Now, you guys know the snaps were better. The holds were better last year. We fixed that operational aspect of our kicking game, and now they brung in another long snapper, right? Didn't they sign one this offseason? Am I remembering correctly? I think they – Probably, they, yeah, yeah. I, I can't I think they signed one in free agency. So yeah. um, special teams I expect to be a little bit better again. Yeah. Um. And I'm excited about that, man. Any parting thoughts? We're going to get you out of here. I know you're under the weather, guys. He will never say it, but I'm going to say it. The dude was sick the entire weekend <laughs> for the draft, and he muscled through. A couple times he shot me a look like I'm tired of even seeing your face. <laughs> understandable because it sucks trying to do a podcast when you're under the weather. But anything you got to say, Ryan, first of all, thanks for putting the stream on this weekend. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, anything you want to part with here? I had a lot of fun. I appreciate you and the, you and the guys getting on and, and the the – the people that hung with us too, it, it really feels like not only did we all put in the work, but they put in the work. I mean, they, they were sitting with us the entire time, keeping it lively, keeping it fun. So that was awesome. And yeah, special teams. I, I a lot of people like to complain about it. I, I'm guessing, I'm hoping Packer fans are not doing that anymore, complaining about special teams because we've been bottom of the barrel. Last year, we were arguably one of the best special teams, if not the best. If you can't feel that difference in the pit of your soul and how much better and and, and great that feels, I, I don't know what to tell you, but um, yeah, Lucas Van Ness, not that we'd use him a ton on special teams, but great track record there. Luke yeah. Musgrave, Jaden Reed, Tucker Craft. I think Colby might have had a, a block kick. I mean, we, we got three or four guys that block kicks. Um, we got a kicker, and you said it might have been a reach. It, it very well may have been. Um, 
you, I've, I've said for years now, when you get into the sixth, seventh round, I don't care. Reach. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, how valuable is Mason Crosby to our team to pretend that a, a guy that maybe just maybe could be that isn't worth a sixth round pick is crazy to me. I don't understand. I, I will take, I mean, especially teams that struggle with kickers, take that every year or seventh round. Take a kicker and take the, the best kicker you can find available in the seventh. We got four every single year. None of the four, seventh round guys that we take, for the most part, are probably ever going to be starters. The last time was what, Donald Driver? Like, come yeah. on. So <laughs> if you can find a high-quality punter, kicker, long snapper, kick returner, any kind of specialty, just do it because it, the, the value is so high as opposed to, you know, who knows, maybe this guy will be an elite wide receiver. He's not. He will not be an elite wide receiver. There's a one in you know, 7,000 chance as opposed to the maybe one in 20 chance for him being a great kicker. So yeah. just use it on special teams and uh, yeah, reach, reach all day for a starting kicker. If you think he could be the guy, I, I'll never understand people complaining about, you should never draft. Shut up. Always, <laughs> always take high quality people. If you can find them, they, we're talking about guys that are the leading scorers on our team. That'll play yeah. for 25 years and be legends and you'd rather take some guy that has a 0.005% chance of starting as an edge rusher. I'll never understand that. So, yeah. yeah, I am I am all about making sure we have a high-quality special teams unit. Yeah, but pe- people get upset when you take a kicker with the 207th pick. Yeah, boy, oh, but boy. When that game's on the line and you need to kick at Lambeau late in the fourth, <laughs> you want that well, guy on your field. Yeah, the, the same people are kicking and screaming about, you know, when – when Amari Rogers muffs a punt or when the yep. kicker misses a field goal or when our punter shanks a punt in the fourth quarter, like, okay, mister, we should never draft a punter. How are you feeling about that now? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, <laughs> one of the, one of the guys he mentioned, Lucas, or uh, uh, yeah, Lucas Van Ness, man. It's so, I keep getting him and Luke Musgrave. Oh, so me too. They're both Lucas, Lucas Van- or Luke. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Lucas Van Ness in that game against Iowa State, uh, that divi- that uh, that conference rival, um, there uh, when he was in college, he blocked two punts in the same game. If you guys get a chance, go watch it. That game is available on YouTube. Just type in uh, Iowa Iowa State. Make sure it was last year's game. Two punts, and I think it was in the first half, if I remember correctly. Wow. So, dude just completely took over with that massive frame. And, hey, I'm all about it. Put him on the outside. I think Jake mentioned that Devontae White is good at that type of stuff, too. Put your best players out there to try to block uh, those kicks, man. Let's let's take negatives and turn them into positives. That should yeah. be the goal. Take weaknesses and turn them into strengths uh, year in and year out. I think they did that with this draft. Ryan, man, I can't thank you enough for joining me, dude. I really appreciate it. Go get some rest. Get some medicine. Um, I'm telling you, man. The Tylenol cold and flu, we call it the blue magic down here. It's the blue stuff in the bottle. You get okay. that. Oh I like God. the orange stuff, but I'll check out what yeah. you got too. Dude, I'm telling you, <laughs> Tylenol, it's like extreme cold and flu. Um, right. Again, I just go into the local Walgreens, and I'm like, hey, give me that blue magic. They know exactly yeah. what so, Anyway, appreciate your time, man. Thanks for muscling through. Thanks for everybody who's listening. Hope you all have an awesome work day here on Monday afternoon. Hopefully we'll get this out by noon on Sunday to you guys. But as always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back, go. Sort of protective tape or wrap on that thumb next time we see Rodgers. Third and goal. Prescott stands in, delivers. It is intercepted in the end zone. Rudy Ford has a convoy. Rudy Ford with a huge play for Green Bay. Yeah,
action as a Packer, and it comes in the end zone at a big time.